thank you, Heath, for volunteering. Sorry. Heath, if you'd come up here, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass you very much. I'm going to do a, we're going to do a card trip to, uh, trick together. Have I talked to you ahead, ahead of time? <laughs> Obviously not. That's why he's a little red in the face. So, uh, so I, what I'm going to have you do, I'm going to have you pick out a card. And here's the deal. Not yet. Oh, the card. Oh, yeah. KU cards, just in case. And yes, we know that TCU beat KU, Robin. So, uh, yesterday. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you take one of these cards and uh, and then I want you to memorize it. I'll have you put it back in the deck and then I'm going to guess the card that you picked. And if I do that, see if you'll agree to this. If I guess it correctly, all you have to do is say, Tim, you are amazing. And if if I miss it, I'll give you $5. Deal. You can deal. Okay, good, good. Okay, so right now what, what I want you to do is just pick any card. I'll look away. If you would, show it to people out there. Show it to everyone, and then just tell them what card it is. <laughs> okay, I thought I might trick him on that. We'll go ahead and put it back in. Notice I'm not like, I'll let you kind of just cut the deck a couple times so I don't mess it up. Did you guys see what it was? Was it the three of hearts? Tim, you are amazing. Was it really? That makes us up. Hold it. That was not supposed No, come back here. That was not supposed to happen. That was not. Go ahead and pick one. We'll pretend like that did not happen. <laughs> See it? Put it back in. That, that was not good. So I'll make sure because I'm going to take this one. <laughs> was it the ace of diamonds? Whoo, whoo. So, so I owe you five dollars. I I lied. I'm not going to give you five dollars. No, no. Here, here you go. Here I will. What's on there? There's a five, right? Five pesos, but they call them dollars in uh, Mexico as well, so I just gave you five dollars. <laughs> of course, you know I won't want that back because we use that for water uh, down there. So <laughs> we we don't uh, we don't like to be deceived. I don't like to do it right. That was not supposed to happen. That way. We don't like to be deceived, though. Uh, whether whether we're deceived when you buy a used car that turns out to be a lemon, or you get something online. You buy it online, and once it once it arrives, it doesn't look anything like the picture that had hooked you and lured you into buying it. Or, or maybe you're deceived by the promise from a friend, an associate, a family member that yeah, I'll pay that loan back, and then it never happens. The truth is, none of us like being deceived, whether it's someone we know, someone um, we don't know, or someone close to us. Uh, but the truth is, there's a lot of us. Uh, there's some of us, probably all of us at one time or another, that are being deceived. I, I hope this morning, as we look in Scripture, that you will that, that you will find this pleasure in being deceived and want to do something about it. And and as you might have guessed, our friend our friend James talks about this in James chapter one. So if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter one. Verses 22 to 25. I'm still laughing about getting that card right. That just blows my mind. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Let's see what 
Let's see what James here says about that. Uh, about that, He says here, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. There's that deceived word. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he do what he does. Let me ask this question. Guys, have have you ever done this? Uh, or at least will you admit to ever doing this? Has your wife ever has your wife ever said to you, maybe she's leaving the house for the day or for the afternoon, or maybe she's gonna be gone for a couple of days, I don't know what it might be, but 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 before she left, she looked you intently in the eye, and you looked right back at her, and she told you some things that you should do. She, she looked at you and said, hey, while I'm gone, would you, I don't know, some things we might say, would you do the laundry, a load of laundry, will you watch, do the dishes, that's what you're will you watch the dishes, will you, will you vacuum the house, maybe uh, if your kids are little, maybe will you bathe the kids, uh, so, so guys, have you ever done this, have had your wife ever said that to you, you looked her intently in the eye, kind of nodded your head, and as soon as the door shut and she left, you either said or at least thought to yourself, not going to happen, not going to do it. Anyone, anyone want to admit to doing that? There you go. We've got a couple brave people, a couple wives that held up their husband's uh, arms for them. You know we've done that. If, if you have, then maybe you understand a little bit of what James is talking about. Here he says, the attitude that that we sometimes have is we listen to the word, but we don't do what it says. Uh, so what he says here, don't just listen to what Jesus says when he said, "Oh, love your neighbor as yourself," but do it. Don't don't just hear Jesus when he says you can't serve God and money at the same time. Do it. Don't just don't just hear Jesus when he says turn the other cheek, and and by that he doesn't just mean physically if you get punched in the cheek, but but has kind of a, a broader view of that than, than that. He says, do it. Don't just hear Jesus when he says you have to forgive those who sin against you. Do it. Don't just hear Jesus when he says deny yourself and take up your cross. Do it. This teaching, this instruction, this challenge is so, so val, uh, so vitally important that James actually talks about it three more times in this small book. Uh, one of them is, is in the very next paragraph. In fact, We'll finish the sermon next week and extend down to this next paragraph and we'll see James kind of talk about it again. He talks about it also in chapter 2 and in chapter 4. And isn't it at the heart of Jesus' teaching as well that we, we don't just hear, we literally do it. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus, who, who was speaking about the hypocrisy of the religious leaders, says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What Jesus, what Jesus was saying is, is that you're hearing it with your head. You're hearing it here, but it's not affecting you here. It's not affecting your, your heart. When, when it, when it affects your heart, it changes you. And, and Jesus, Brought it up again in Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 and 36. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, 
you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Probably we're, we're all familiar with that, uh, with that context. Jesus was talking about the judgment and some will be moved to the right and some to the left and the, those to the right that he said, coming in my kingdom. He, he said those words to, I was hungry and you fed me and they're, they're responsible. Jesus, when did we see you doing that? What Jesus really meant was, when, when you saw the people that I saw, when you have had my heart, when you had my vision, when, when just like me, you saw the hurting, when just like me, you saw those that were ignored or disenfranchised, just like me, you saw the sick in both body and in soul, and you did something about it. When you heard what I said and what I taught you, and then you did it, you, you did it to me. So James here is saying, don't just listen. Don't just listen. Don't merely listen to the word and be deceived. Don't just listen, but do it. Now, now can I point something out to you? We, we live, we live in a time that we, that's almost unprecedented. We, we have never had more opportunity or more chances or more availability or more access to hear it. Never have we lived in a time where, where it is easy for us to hear what Jesus says to us, to, to hear what the gospel message is. L- let me illustrate. I, in my office, I have uh, not, not just this Bible normally, but I have multiple bi- Bibles in different translations sitting on my desk. At home, I have several other Bibles. In the back seat of my car, you can get in the back seat of my car, and there's a small uh, a Bible sitting there, so I can I can access that anytime. And the truth is, like a lot of you, I walk around twenty four seven or almost twenty four seven with my iPhone in my pocket, and with a couple clicks, I can have any any scripture in in the Bible up on my iPhone. In fact, if I can't figure out what it is, I can search and it'll tell me where that verse I'm looking for. So I have. I have more access than I ever had. And if that's not enough, I can get in my car and I can hit a button. And in fact, I can hit several buttons and immediately I can hear about the, the word of Jesus, whether, whether through teaching directly or indirectly through music. Try this when you get in your car today, turn, turn your uh, uh, radio to FM. Uh, and and hit the seek button. I, I bet about every third station that pops up is a Christian station. You'll hit Caleb, you'll hit Air One, you'll hit, hit KSJI, I think that's the call letters for one in San Joe. You'll hit Bot Radio, you'll hit American Family, you'll, you'll, you'll hit the Catholic Network. The, there are station after station after station when I hit my radio that I can hear the the, the gospel. I can hear it. And again, if that's not enough, I take out my iPhone, plug in my ear, uh, my, my uh, earpods, and stick them in, and I can hear the songs that I that, that I want to hear, the ones I've downloaded, or I can listen to podcasts, or I can pull up websites and listen to sermons. Never have we lived in a time that we've had more opportunity to hear it. Not merely listen to the word. But why then? Why then, if, if we don't lack for hearing, why then isn't our church exploding with mature Christians? Why, why, why is it when we open up our bulletins, 
Why, why are not, not our bulletin uh, every Sunday stuffed with opportunities for us to sign up, opportunities of, of, of uh, service projects that just cover the multitude, a, a whole a whole litany of things that we could could be involved in. Why, why aren't we just full of opportunities for us to serve? Why don't we have to, on Sunday mornings, put a couple deacons at the back table? Because if Tanya comes in and throws down a sign-up sheet, there is a riot. People are pushing and shoving and pushing people. Like, no, you signed up first last time. I want to be the first. Why, why aren't we just... Why aren't we just fighting over who gets to sign up to serve in an opportunity? Why isn't our community being turned upside down because we're inundating it with our influence, our love, our compassion, our forgiveness, and our service? Why, why isn't our finance, finance team, uh, holding their, their head, their heads in their hands thinking, how are we going to spend all this money? Why, why aren't our, our offering boxes crammed so full that this, the finance committee is like, man, this is just too much. It's too big a responsibility. There's so much money. The church just gives way too much. How are we ever going to figure out how to spend this all? Why isn't our church full? And I know we, that's been kind of a complaint that we're crowded and we're going to be doing some things about to try to help that a little bit, but. But but why aren't we crowded so much so that people are willingly lining up along the sidewalls and we've set some chairs up here and then we raffle off. I bet I could get some takers on this. We raffle off tickets to get to sit in the cage with Bobby. We can make a little extra money that way. We might do that anyway. That'd be a good, that'd be a, don't let's do that for a fundraiser for a, for the, the band. So raffle <laughs> off tickets and, and we can do that. But uh but why aren't we, why aren't we just busting at the, the seams? Because people want to be here because we're church that's full of love and forgiveness and compassion and heart of service. So much so that people refuse to miss even a single worship service. Well, well, James gives us a little bit insight to this when he says, don't just hear what I, uh, what I say. Don't just hear what Jesus says. Don't just hear the word, but do it. And and he points out, and we'll go through these fairly quickly, and then we'll finish this up next next week. He points out here what causes the disconnect, I believe, between hearing and putting it into practice. And and he points it out, and actually, we'll look at, there's probably others, we'll look at three different things, three different deceptions. So here's the deceptions that we we go through sometimes that that we're faced with uh uh in that that causes us to to not do what he says. James illustrates this idea by 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 giving an illustration. He said it's like when a man looks in a mirror and 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 he sees himself but then when he walks away he forgets what he saw. The Greek has the idea here of someone actually uh, looking intently or listening intently. So it's not someone that's just not really paying attention at all. It's someone that actually is looking and listening intently, but somehow doesn't end up getting it into actions. There's three deceptions. Let's look at, look at the, the, the first one. The reflection is we look in the mirror and, and, and the reflection that we remember that we, we think is worse than what it really was. So we look in the mirror, we see, an accurate description of what we are, but when we step away, what we remember, what we remember is worse than what was really there. I, I remember the first time I saw one of these. It was in a, a McDonald's in Fort Scott, Kansas. I, our first ministry, Reed and I's first ministry, is in a little town called Yum, 
and we were uh, at this McDonald's and because uh, because Fort Scott as in Fort Scott Kansas Fort Scott had a Walmart a grocery store and and most importantly a McDonald's and so we went in and they had this mirror sitting right at the the back of the counter and it was a Ronald McDonald but it was one of those I don't know fun mirrors funny mirror I don't know what you call it but but it was kind of a weird that mirror that was a little bit wavy so when you step in front of that mirror the 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 image that you saw back was distorted. Have you guys seen some of those? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's sad is when you look at a regular one and you think, "Oh, this must be one of those." No. Uh, uh, but but I remember I remember seeing that. It's the first time I'd seen one of those, and I stepped in front of it, and you look down, and depending on how tall you are and where you hit the mirror, you know, my hips might have looked like they're this wide, and my torso about this wide, and then get back up to my face, and it's that wide. And and I remember our son Brian was about two years old at the time, and he walked in front of that. And, Brian looked really weird. And I said, Brian, look at you. He's looking that kind of funny. And about that time, Rita kind of stepped over and she was in there. And I said, Brian, look at your mom and look how big. And then I caught myself. I didn't say it. <laughs> oh, no, I probably said it, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I probably did. Uh, but, but, but you understand it. It, it distorts the image. Uh, guys, have you ever done this? Cause I bet most of your wives have these. I, my, mine does at home. She's got a mirror that's, that sits on her uh, in our our bedroom on the dresser, and it's it's her uh, makeup mirror. You guys have makeup mirrors, ladies. Guys, do you ever look in those? Be careful, cause uh, it's scary. And you look in there, and your eye is about that big around. Your nose looks like it's a mountain. And I do teenage do teenage girls have those? Cause that's scary. Cause it, you know if you're a teenager and you're dealing with blemish issues, and you look in there, I oh, man, you know. Uh, a blemish might look like Mount St. Helens about ready to blow or something like that, but, but, but you look, you look in that mirror and, and it enlarges, I guess, so you can paint correctly or whatever you do with your make. I don't understand all that. Uh, uh, so ladies, if you come home and we're sitting there looking at our mirror, in the mirrors, you might uh, be concerned. But let me suggest that when we, when we look into God's word and 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 it's like a mirror when we look into God's word and we step away sometimes the reflection that we remember after seeing God's word and and God's word uh, our reflection reflecting back against God's word sometimes what we remember is distorted and sometimes it's worse than what was really there we see God's word and it tells us how God sees us and his desire for us, but all we remember seeing, or what we remember seeing, tells us I'm not worthy. That's what we see. I'm not worthy. We had a we had a young lady in our church at Rushville. She was an amazing, uh, is still an amazing young lady. She uh she was a beautiful girl. Let me kind of describe her a little bit. She was tall and thin and long blonde hair and a, a beautiful, uh, you know, best smile that dentistry could buy for. And she'd had braces earlier and just a beautiful young lady. And, and not only that, she, her spirit and her personality matched her physical beauty. She, she was a sweetheart. Everyone loved her. Everyone that met, she, she was comfortable whether she was with people younger or same age or old. She was, she was just an exceptional person. And not on, not only that, on top of all that, she was talented. She could play the piano and played in our worship band and, 
and, and played several other instruments. In fact, went to a major university and played in their marching band, went all over the, the U.S. Uh, uh, traveling with that band and just just was a, a, an amazing girl. And at college, she was thriving and doing well in her, her chosen field. I mean, just you you would love this girl you would you would just be so impressed but somewhere about her sophomore year in college she stepped into a mirror and looked at herself and then when she stepped away the image that she saw wasn't anything like the image that was really being reflected see the image that she saw she was she was real thin she was a skinny little thing but the image that she saw that she remembered was one of her being large and she was beautiful and had a beautiful smile and was, man, it was such a cool person. But that's not what she saw when she stepped away. What she saw was someone that was ugly and someone that was undesirable and someone that had no talent and someone that no one could ever, could ever love. I remember visiting her uh, in a treatment center. See, she literally almost exercised and, uh, uh, and dieted herself to death. Had her parents not intervened when they did, I might have preached her funeral, literally. I remember visiting her in that treatment center. And uh, and she said, I, I, I don't understand it, but, but when I looked in that mirror, that's what I saw. I, I know it's not real. I know it's not true, but that's what I saw. See, sometimes my, my fear is that, that when we look at God's word, what we, what we see reflecting back is is worse than what's really there we forget that we are loved and accepted and treasured and adopted forgiven and God's grace covers us instead we see a distorted image of ourselves that says I'm not worthy and that says I'm not wanted and and we look at that image and says how could God want me because because all we see in ourselves is failure and brokenness and mistakes and pain and heartache and shortcomings and loneliness. All we see is what we can't be, what we can't do. And, and really what we see is that God surely couldn't want me. But you know, God has always used people. God has always used people who thought they were unworthy and unwanted. God appeared to Moses. Uh, Mo- Moses, one of the, the the most key characters in all of the Old Testament, God used Moses, and Moses said, "I'm not worthy." God, there's no way you can use me. Appeared to him in a burning bush, and God said, "You're going to be the one to lead my people out of uh, of Egypt." And and Moses said, "God, I can't talk. I stutter. There's no way I can be your spokesman. I stutter." And, and yet, a while later, Moses stood proudly and confidently in front of Pharaoh and said, "Let my people go." And, and God used King Saul, the very first king of Israel. Saul was described as being a head and shoulders taller than everyone else. He was a, an impressive sp- uh, a physical specimen. He, he was a, an amazing guy. And yet when Samuel went to anoint him as the king, he couldn't find him and, and eventually found him hiding in a bunch of baggage because Saul thought, God can't use me. God said to Gideon, who was going to be a judge, God said to Gideon, you're going to lead my people out of slavery. They they messed up, and you're going to be the one to lead them back. Now, first of all, if God talks to you, you really probably should listen and believe him. But but this is what Gideon said in Judges 6.15. Gideon says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. 
Manasseh was one of the 12 tribes and, and, and not one of the prominent ones. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. So my, my family is the weakest in this whole tribe and, and I'm the least in my family. My, my, my family are mess ups. God, 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 we are the, we are the bottom of the barrel and of the bottom, I am the bottom of the bottom. How can you use me? See, sometimes we look in that mirror and we have a distorted view of ourselves and all we hear, all we hear, um, when we see what Jesus says is, I can't do that. How, how do we overcome this deception? We, we overcome that when we realize that what counts is not how we see ourselves. See, what's most important is not how we see ourselves, but how God sees us. Anyone guilty of that first deception? I, I sometimes am. God, how can you use me? I don't have anything to offer you. Because what I see is not what God sees. Here, here's the second deception. The, 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 the reflection is better than what it really was. We, we look into the mirror. God's word reflects back at us what, what he wants us to see and hear and know. And, and then we step away from that mirror. And what we remember is, well, we kind of go the other direction. We begin to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And our deception is that, that we see that and we think God is, uh, hey, I'm pretty good. I've got it all figured out. I'm pretty, pretty well put together. I mentioned before that I'm not a big fan of shopping. Um, don't really like to go and, and, uh, and shop a lot, but, but there's times that I, that I go with Rita to Coles or, or, or wherever we might go, usually Coles, but wherever we, we might go. And I love the stores that have a chair sitting by the women's dressing room. Anyone else? Uh, there's not a lot of them. In fact, a good, a good fundraiser for those stores would be if they'd put a recliner with a TV and a little snack bar right there, I would pay money to lean back now, you might look a little creepy doing it, but I, I wouldn't care. I would pay money to lean back in that recliner, watch TV, and, and drink a Diet Coke and eat some peanuts. I would, that, I would go shopping with Rita more often. Talk to Coles, Rita, see what you can get done on that. But when I do, but when I do sit there, uh, if, if I do, I don't know if I should admit this, but, but I, I kind of watch people come out. I, cause this is what Rita does. She, it does. It does. I know. It, if you didn't hear, she said that sounds creepy. But what do you got? You're sitting there. You, you notice people coming out. I'm, I'm not taking notes or pictures. Uh, but when Rita comes out, she comes out usually and says, "What well, does this look all right? Do I look good?" And I usually say, "Yes, it looks great." And then she reads my inflection. If I don't say it, you know, if I don't say it uh, uh, enthusiastically enough, she might doubt me. But 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 I'll, I'll watch people come out, and, and I'll just kind of think, "Yeah, you look. That looks good." And there's other times people come out and I think, you're going to wear that? And, and I'm afraid they're going to ask me, how, how do I look in this? And then uh, what do you do? Are you honest or do you lie? And, and, and so sometimes, sometimes people look at them, you look, and I'm thinking, how, are you not seeing what I'm seeing? That, that, that does not look good on you. See, the second deception is sometimes we look and what we see is not really real either. We, we, we think we look better than what we real, really are. And, and this gets a little tough though, doesn't it? Because didn't I just say that we need to see ourselves as God sees us and God sees us as loved and accepted and forgiven and covered by grace? 
Well, he does. But, but he also sees us as who we are. And, and we need to see ourselves realistically and honestly. I, I can tell you, I can tell you my kids' shortcomings. I can tell you some of the failures of my kids. I'm not going to because they know mine as well and they may demand equal time. So I'm not going to tell you my kids. Uh, I, I can tell you the things that they're not strong at. But you know what? Uh, unequivocally, I love them and I accept them and I forgive them. And there's nothing they can do that will ever change that. God can love us, forgive us, accept us, and still see the things in our life that need to be changed. If you have your Bibles, hold, hold to James there. Go back one book to, to Hebrews chapter 4. Go back to Hebrews chapter 4. Let me, let me just touch on a verse there and we'll, we'll move right along here. Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 12. Note, notice what, uh, what the writer says there. For the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So, so here's the reality. God, God knows who we are. God knows who we are. He, he sees the, the real person and he knows that we are sinners and he knows that we aren't perfect. He loves us. He accepts us. He offers us his grace and forgiveness, but he knows what needs to be worked on. And that's why his word speaks to us. I mentioned last week that, uh, that, that as a church, not, not just our church, but as a church globally and, and universally, we often have conflicts. And I pointed out that probably at some time in the future, this church will have conflict. One of the reasons we, str- we struggle is because of this. We see ourselves and we step away and we think more highly of ourselves than we should. We don't see the, in reality, what we should be seeing. In, in verse 21 in chapter 1, James says, get rid of, get rid of the moral filth, the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Jesus saved his harshest words for the religious leaders. They were ones that looked in the mirror of God's word. They studied God's word intently. And when they stepped away, they said, Hey, I've got it. I've got it figured out. I'm doing pretty good. I've nailed this instead of seeing some of the things that needed to change. Okay. What you might be saying now, what are you trying to tell us? What I'm trying to tell you is there's some people here in the church that keep looking forward. Don't look around because if you did, you're going to see them. There's some people here this morning that are deceived into believing they're better than they really are. I can say that authoritatively because I'm in that group. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a, the, the, the sole member. Maybe I'm the only one. But sometimes I struggle with looking at God's word. And then when I step away and I said, you know what? I, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm serving and I'm, I'm trusting and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm, Lord, Lord, look, look, look at me over here. Aren't, aren't I doing well? Aren't I putting it all together? Uh, 
See, when we think we've arrived, we don't allow God's word to break us. We don't allow God's word to bring us to our knees and change us. And when we look in his word, when we hear his word, it speaks to those things that need to be changed. Here's, here's deception number three. We'll, we'll finish up here really quick. Sometimes, sometimes we look in a mirror and, and, and we miss it all together. We, we look at the mirror, we step away, and, and it's kind of almost literally what James says here. You, you step away from the mirror and you don't remember what you saw. Uh, that's me. I, I tried something this morning and, uh, it didn't work out, but I'm curious if anyone noticed this. I, I, on a way to church this morning, I took a little shaving cream and I put on my right earlobe. Bruce, did you see that in Sunday school? Kara did. Thanks for mentioning it, that I had shaving cream on my earlobe. You actually were being very polite, I guess. But, but I purposely put a little shaving cream just to see if anyone would say anything. Uh, I, I saw a couple of people look at me funny. I thought surely they noticed it, but they're being too polite. Uh, Bruce, you're like me. I wouldn't have noticed if you had had some on your ear either. But, uh, uh, but, but I was, I, I was hoping someone would notice it and say something to me. Cause here's the reality. There are times that I walk out of the bathroom and I've got shaving cream on my earlobe. Now, more times than not, Rita says, Tim, you got shaving cream on your earlobe and I have to wipe it off. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll get in the car and happen to glance, uh, in, in the rearview mirror or adjust it and I see, I've got shaving cream on my earlobe. Sometimes it's later in the day or Tanya will say, Tim, you've got shaving cream on, here's the reality is oftentimes I look in the mirror, but I don't even see what I'm looking at. I, it, it's there. We got three mirrors right in our bathroom. You can't avoid seeing yourself, but, but I look, but I don't actually See a thing. Here's maybe the, the most dangerous deception is that, that God's word speaks to us and it's reflecting back what we need to know, what we need to change, what we need to be doing. And we're not even paying attention. Maybe it's characterized by, by ignorance of what we need to do. Maybe it's characterized by apathy. I'm going to do what I want when I want and I, I'm not going to let God's word change that. You, you want to know why the church isn't blowing up with maturity? Why we aren't busting at the seams with people? Why we aren't fighting over service projects? Why we aren't influencing our community more than we already are? Maybe it's because we look in the mirror and we step away and we really didn't see anything that we needed to see. I'm, I'm guilty of this one too. James says, John, you guys can come on up. James says here, do not merely listen to the word and, and be deceived. Don't, don't just listen. Don't just, don't just hear. Don't just read. Don't just ingest a Christian song and lyrics. Don't just hear what, what I'm telling you, but, but do it. Put it into practice. After all, why do we look at a mirror in the first place? Why do we look at a mirror? Now, now, the reason I don't see shaving cream is I really have no reason to look at a mirror. I don't have, I don't have hair to worry about. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, let's just be honest, I don't really care what I look like. So I, I don't worry about that at all. But, but why do you look in a mirror? You, you look, ladies, I guess, to make sure your hair's okay and you look to make sure the makeup got on like you wanted it. 
wanted it to. About the only time I look in a mirror, make sure I don't have a booger hanging out or something like that. Let's let's be honest. Now, uh, tomorrow, I'll make sure I don't have shaving cream on my earlobe. Some of you will as well. But but we look in a mirror to to see something. We we want to check ourselves out. Is is there something that that needs to be changed? Is is it like I want it to be? And isn't that what God's word does? See, see, when we hear his word, we step up to God and he's reflecting, we're reflecting back to him and he's reflecting to us what we need to see. It, it might be what we need to change. It might be what we need to start putting into practice and doing. But we can't just look at it and walk away and forget about it. We have to look at it and put it into practice. Would you stand with me as, as we pray? As we finish this morning. Father, pray this morning that we can be honest with ourselves and honest with you. Father, we pray as your word uh, reflects in our hearts, Father, that it changes us and makes us uh, makes us who we need to be. Father, it's easy to be deceived, to think that we're worse than we really are or better than we really are, or to not even have the heart to look in the first place. Father, help us find you, find you in that reflection and make the changes we need to make. In Jesus' name, amen.